Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we're here with a guest who we met exactly three years ago. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me on this podcast that I, I love. My name is Ra'id. Uh, I'm Lebanese. I'm currently based in San Francisco where I'm doing a PhD in film and digital media. I'm a filmmaker, I'm a researcher, I'm a writer. Yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> that's me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. It's, it's really cool to reconnect after three years, which like so much has happened. Um, and yeah, we're excited to hear about what you're working on. Um, I was reading about your dissertation uh, that you told us about. Do you want to start with like with describing that? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I in Lebanon, I was uh, I was already working as an independent filmmaker, but I was doing a lot of uh, odd jobs as well. There was some some part of me that really wanted to continue thinking within an academic setting. I applied for this PhD at uh, the University of California in Santa Cruz. It's a project-based PhD, so uh, we write a dissertation, but there's also a project component, and that sounded very exciting to me because I, I wanted to continue making films. Uh, and I arrived here exactly in 2017, so exactly four years ago, with an idea of working on queer uh, moving image making. I didn't know exactly what my argument was going to be, but I was mainly what I was wanted to prove is that we should look at works by Arab artists. And then I narrowed it down to Lebanese artists because I, it was just too much to tackle. Um, Art should not be seen just as identity-related uh, pieces of work or works that are about uh, individual freedoms or uh, human rights uh, works, but, but really works that allow us um, as a people and as or as peoples and as a region to really rethink uh, our social realities, to think politics, to to dream politics otherwise. Uh, so really, for me, like the works I'm writing about really allow us to 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 really think the region uh, otherwise, and that's very exciting. So I, I really think that uh, queer people have um, in, in the ways that they think about life, about community, about family, uh, about themselves um, in very different ways than, than what's normative, they really have a lot to offer for this, uh, for, uh, for the Arab region. And I really believe in that. And that's basically what I'm, I'm trying to write about in my dissertation. It's really beautiful how you put that, how it's not just about, I think identity gets talked about, especially in, I guess, a US context, such like an individualistic way, which I don't know. I, I've, I've personally never exactly related to it. I think a lot of people don't exactly relate to it. Um, I think queerness as being relational, as being about community, as being about how we envision futures. I think there, there's so much more to that in a Lebanese context and maybe in any context. Yeah, absolutely. In a way, I mean, it's important to um, shed light on our identities, but we're so much more than that and it's it's I like that you're kind of thinking about how a person's like way of thinking is shaped by their identity it's not just like oh this person is queer but it's okay what doors have has that opened up my uh, psychologically and the way that you behave externally um 
sociologically. We are, as queer people, we are kind of put in a position where we have to seek out community in different ways than non-queer people because it's there's a level of like safety that we're searching for a level of like i don't know we're we're still seen as the others are different and it's like um it's kind of more immediate or i guess urgent to find that community and i think that's important to um Recognize. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and and it's it's something I I experienced, um, and I think a lot of us have experienced. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking back about the the 1990s. I was uh, a teenager. I mean, I was raised during the civil war in Lebanon, uh, in Tripoli. So I was a child during the war, uh, but as the war finished, and and you know, it was uh, it was a time for Lebanese from different regions to uh, meet, to connect. Uh, I think being queer allowed for uh, cross-sectarian types of, of, of convening and, and um, that uh, I think other, uh, other people in Lebanon were, did not have that chance. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not saying only queer people were meeting across <laughs> sectarian lines, but just being queer, I remember just uh, have like going on chat sites, you know, uh, and trying and, and then meeting uh, you know, people, Christians in, in regions that never, would never go to Tripoli or, I think that was a really important moment for dreaming the country uh, as a secular uh, place. And this is something I write about in my dissertation. I remember, you know, the, in 2010, uh, we had this initiatives, uh, initiative that was created by queer people called Laik Pride. And it wasn't uh, necessarily, it, it wasn't a, a, a gay pride uh, in that sense, but it was it was a march for secular rights because in Lebanon, unfortunately, until today, if you get married or if you inherit uh, or um, so everything, all your personal status follows uh, your uh, religion, basically your confessional belonging that's on your uh, ID whether you choose it or not. And we don't have uh, a civil uh, personal status law. So that much was about that, but there was so much queer and feminist energy in that, that that made me think, I mean, thinking back about that moment, uh, as I'm here, as I'm writing about my dissertation, it was just a very interesting example of, uh, and it's just one example of this intersectionality, how, as Lebanese, we really thought about our queer identity in relation with uh, our desire for a secular nation. And of course, there are queer people who are, who are very sectarian. I'm not uh, idealizing the queer community, but uh, I would say like a big portion of uh, queers in Lebanon had, um, uh, especially my generation and on. I, I mean, this is a struggle that continues until today. No, I just wanted to like, so there was this moment from back in the 90s, but also um, a couple of years ago, or was it last year? I, I forget. I, I think it was last year when Sarah Hagazi took her own life. I think this was like a huge, huge shock uh, to a lot of us uh, queers and Arabs uh, living here. 
Um, and it, it really awakened a lot of really horrible feelings of, uh, of loss, especially it was during the pandemic, you know, we couldn't go back. I couldn't go back see, uh, to see my, my parents. And I really felt the weight of uh, being in, in exile or being in the diaspora, even though I can go back to Lebanon and I do go back to Lebanon, but it, it just felt you know, even though I'm supposed to be in San Francisco, so the, the queer haven, but the idea of, um, of being uprooted, of uh, being far away from friends and family was just so uh, heavy. And, and that also sort of other people who were in the same situation, uh, we came together and we started meeting regularly on Zoom and created uh, a group of uh, solidarity um, to each other. Um, and I think so the ways that we build community as, as queers and Arab, um, for me, that's, that's really more essential than, uh, you know, identity per se. Yeah, um, there's a powerful line in an essay that you wrote last year. Um, for all the listeners, it's called Fragments of Shame and Pride. It's a gorgeous essay. Um, and you put you put something that I think a lot of us can relate to. You just, the sentence, I could have been Sarah is so, like that alone is so powerful because a lot of people really felt like this was so much more than one individual taking her own life. It was like, she represented so many other people. She created like so much discussion afterwards of like, what does it mean to be in exile? Or what does it mean to like, quote, find freedom. It's not that simple because you can simultaneously love your family, love your roots, where you're from, and also recognize the the need to leave. And once you leave, that's not the end. You haven't reached some, the, the end, the end like goal. Like happy ending. Yeah, yeah. I think like sometimes something we've talked about, like sometimes leaving is depicted as like the end like oh this person got to Canada or San Francisco now it's that's that's the end happy ending but it's mm -hmm. no no place is no place is really a safe haven for all parts of yourself you know I mean particularly in this case western media likes to portray like oh this is the safe haven and this person is going to be completely fine now and there's not enough discuss discussion of what comes next. The isolation, the issues within the system of even navigating, finding practical, the, the practical needs like healthcare, mental healthcare, all that stuff. Um, so uh, I, yeah, I thought that was a really important line in that essay. I guess going back, uh, can you tell us more about the uh, that collective that you started on Zoom and kind of, what you ended up working on? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather, I mean, of course, okay. I'm not gonna name people, but uh, mm. because of privacy issues, I haven't discussed <laughs> it with them, but it was just, it's just a space to, to meet and talk and um, heal, basically, because I, I feel like we carry a lot, our, uh, a lot of traumas. And these traumas also are sneaky. <laughs> I mean, they 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 show up at times we don't ex expect them to. So I, I mean, I really I really felt from that moment like the need for 
for collective uh, healing, um, especially, I mean, there's such a violence in the idea that we come from places of departure where we're always leaving. We're never, we're never going to those places where uh, we're leaving those places. And, we're, and what we leave behind, we leave so much, so many things behind mm -hmm. uh, and things we can never uh, find here uh, just because of, of the nature of, of being in exile, I think. But I mean, at the same time, this feeling is, I think is very generative um, and, uh, you know, a lot of creative people, you know, build on that feeling of, of exile to be, to make mm -hmm. beautiful, poignant um, ideas or images. I mean, talking about, uh, about that, I mean, I, I've been thinking a lot, I mean, and a lot of us have been thinking a lot about Ataladna, who just left us and she's, mm -hmm. For me, like she really embodies that a queer elder, Arab elder who has given so much in her poetry and her drawings. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about her. She lived in Sausalito, so across from uh, from the bay, uh, so yeah. close to San Francisco, and she was obsessed with Mount Tamalpais. Uh, wrote about it uh, in this in an amazing book called A Journey to Mount Tamalpais, but she made like, I think, hundreds or thousands of drawings uh, of that mountain. Um, so just to think about also what, uh, what being elsewhere sort of generates, not only for us as people, but how we can reflect on uh, our geographies, our histories uh, in, in different ways that I think are important. So it, it's mm -hmm. just not to have it all as doom and gloom, but to recognize also how displacement uh, is very violent, but is also very generative. And mm -hmm. I personally feel, I mean, the way I think of the world is, is really a world without borders where homeland could be a more a less regulated idea. I mean, we're reminded every time we, we cross a border uh, with our passport of who we are. Uh, and, and that to me is also like a, a nationalist violence. Mm. So I don't know, sorry, I went on too many tangents. But, no. Uh, no, 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 those, those are all really great tangents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, I guess uh, you're kind of getting at why you got into art making and filmmaking um so i guess i'm just curious like when did that happen for you and what led you to get started as a filmmaker yeah that's a, <laughs> that's a great question i actually started studying i studied biology at aub at the american university of beirut because so practical uh, so practical <laughs> my dad is a doctor so I was on that path as becoming a doctor. Um, and I think it's not that my parents really forced me, but I think back then, I mean, that continues to be the case. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea even to oneself of uh, becoming um, a, an artist or a philosopher, filmmaker was really out of the question. Um, but then I, I realized that that's not at all the, the path I want for my for myself. I, I just didn't feel like I'm, um, I'm, I'm ready to be a scientist or, or a doctor. Um, so I started working mainly as a journalist in Lebanon uh, right after the assassination of um, uh, Rafiq Hariri, the 
uh, former prime minister. Mm. And so I've always uh, liked writing. I've always liked interacting with people, but I've always been also very interested in film. So I think there was a gradual, gradual process where uh, I was writing and then I started working on uh, documentaries. And then I collaborated with my sister, who's a filmmaker, uh, on this first uh, project that I would call, uh, you know, an independent film project, uh, which uh, basically was around the occupation of the American University of Beirut in 1974. Uh, but we started the project as the Arab Spring protests were unfolding. So it became a project about thinking the, what what this idea of revolution is and what this drive for change means, especially for the youth. So we made actually two films uh, that were based on reenactments and based on uh, improvisations by young uh, political activists who sort of, we asked them to embody that moment uh, from 1974, which was, by the way, an, an amazing moment. I mean, it started as a strike against an increase in tuition in 1974, but ended up uh, being an occupation of the university by the students for 35 days. Uh, I mean, of course, the ending is, 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 is ugly because, you know, revolutions yeah. fail, but actually they don't fail because they they create so much sense of possibility. But, you know, like the army back then stormed, uh, stormed the university, some students were kicked out. But it was uh, it was this project that really revealed to me how, how interested I am in experimenting and in thinking, uh, you know, documentary and fiction in other ways. Uh, and I think from that mo moment on, I, I, I felt that, uh, you know, the desire to make films uh in that more experimental way and you know sometimes i feel like not everybody is receptive to what i make but but i feel like really it's for me it's so important that uh, we have we we continue to have the right to experiment and not only to represent because i feel mm -hmm. as arab artists we are really always, or most of the time, we're asked to represent our region, to represent um, our communities. And for me, it's it's not about representing; it's about expression. And expression doesn't is not always rational or tidy or uh, or makes sense. It's you know, it's it's uh, it exceeds those boundaries. Totally. I'm, I'm remembering that film was at Mark for Redaction too. I, I was thinking about the other two you had shown, but um, yeah, I, first off, um, what I loved about it is it felt so um, realistic to really any political movement, the way the characters, you know, like you have the radical and the, and the centrist and you have the people sleeping together and you have just the way that any movement um, kind of starts to fall apart and splinter but still stay directed in a certain direction um, that just felt very real to me and then i was also really interested in uh what you said about how it was created because um i think like you said especially when something's a historical reconstruction i think there's a lot of pressure to 
to replicate, to get it by the books, to not misrepresent anybody. So I, I, yeah, I thought that was just a really interesting choice to make it a little bit more off the book, more um, interpretive, which I think by nature puts a little bit of the present into the past, mm-hmm. which is, I think, part of what you're trying to express there rather than just make a replica of what happened in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You just, uh, you put your finger on something very essential, mm-hmm. especially in Lebanon where uh, history is is so contentious and, and we, we're, I mean, we're not agreeing on a version of history and we shouldn't, I think. Uh, but for us, it was really essential to think about the past with all the, you know, the the the, the doubts that we have about the past that, you know, the, uh, and and gen, gen, like think about the past to think about the present actually and connect those because especially in Lebanon there's really a violent tendency by those who are in power to just turn the page. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and we're still governed by the same warlords who have committed so many crimes, but. Uh, pardoned themselves basically the, the the civil war ended with this general amnesty uh, that allowed them to continue uh, to govern unpunished for all the crimes that they've committed and that continues until today I mean August mm-hmm. for last year was such a violent uh, such a violent assault on the city and its people on Beirut mm-hmm. uh, and they're every day um, they try to really block investigations and escape justice. Um, so there is that violent tendency to just relegate uh, the past to the past. And I think it's it's very important for us to engage with the past in, 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 a, in, a, in a smart and productive way. Yeah. Yeah, rather than like try to erase, but also like, not erasing, but also using your present mentality to um, kind of reimagine, in a way, like what could be or what could have been. Um, you, I, like during our, when we were talking, like leading up to this episode, you were talking about a documentary that you're working on and it's focusing on Tripoli, right? Is it, is that kind of like, how you're looking at it, kind of like a reimagined. Yeah, so I mean, I, so when I when I made uh, Echo Me, uh, Echo to Here I Am, Here You Are, um, I went back to Tripoli to film, um, and I was thinking a lot about this idea of how do we reconnect with this place of childhood that is carries a lot of. Uh, it reminds us of a lot of traumas as as queer individuals, but at the same time, for me, it was just so magical and attractive. And I think I I, yeah. I gestured towards that in 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 the essay that you mentioned, fragments mm-hmm. of shame and pride. But mm-hmm. um, back then, I I felt there was something more I wanted to say. After finishing mm-hmm. the film, I felt mm-hmm. that my relationship to Tripoli is not over. So, um, I mean, and ironically enough, uh, so when I turned 18, I moved to Beirut. And uh, since then, my parents still live in Tripoli, but Mm. I 
uh, I used to go back just for weekends and you know holidays, mm -hmm. but it was always very quick. And ironically, when I moved to uh, California to start the PhD program, I would come back and spend three months, uh, yeah. almost three months every year of summer in Trablos with my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, I suddenly was spending actually more time in the city. So I was just filming. Um, in the beginning, I wanted to really... So my central idea, the, the one that I'm, I'm still working with, was I, I don't want to make a film about uh, that isolates uh, stories of queer people because I think mm -hmm. a lot of people have done that. Like you, uh, you focus on the story of, of a queer person that that talks about you know I mean the hardships that they face and the mm -hmm. social rejection and all of that, which is important. But I think uh, a lot of people have done that and are still doing that. What I wanted to do is more question our logics as society. So uh, in Lebanon, we have that law that exists or and existed in so many countries around the world, not only the Arab region, but also Western countries that yeah. considers uh, a sexual, the, the text of the law is very short. It says that any sexual inter intercourse uh, against the order of nature is punishable by up to a year in jail. And of course, this is a law, <laughs> I'm saying of course, because people who, who know history know that, uh, this is a law that we inherited uh, from the French when Lebanon was a French mm -hmm. protectorate. Uh, so I was like, the part, starting with that law, I just really wanted to understand how do we understand nature? I mean, it's such mm -hmm. an elusive concept. Mm -hmm. And and all, like every aspect of our lives is really uh, influenced by how we we conceive nature in our head, how we think about nature, especially in Arabic, we say tabi'i, and uh, I don't know in other uh, dialects, but in Lebanon, we use that word a lot, which mm. which means tabi'i means natural, but it also means uh, normative, it also mm. means uh, sane, it also means a lot of things. So I, I started basically going to public spaces and just challenging people, what, what is the natural for you? Mm. Uh, what do you think is natural in, in our lives? Or how do you think of, of natural love, natural relationship, but also natural... Uh, I mean, I went to a gym basically and asked about natural buddies. Like, what is a natural oh, wow. buddy? Yeah. So it, it, was, it just became about questioning this whole social construct. Uh, and I, I was more interested in that for, that for this project in particular rather than the personal story. I was, I was in, interested, as I said, in those myths that we have about who we are as individuals or as families. And I think that was very exciting to me, but then it just opened up uh, to other questions uh, because inevitably uh, it does, like, uh, especially a city uh, like Tripoli really caught up between this dialectic between tradition and modernity. Mm -hmm. So the question of uh, gender and sexuality is very much linked to how we think of what is traditional and what is modern, what is imported and what is... Uh... So a lot of yeah. layers there. And, and, and I'm working with all these layers, but I'm also working with Trablos as a city of failure. So I'm trying to think about how... And I think I write this in, in the essay of... of how this idea of the failed uh, male 
the failed queer male who is not mm. uh, who is not capable of uh, continuing the, uh, the the lineage uh, uh, of the yeah. father, and a city like Tripoli, that's a city of failures. Uh, oh wow! There's beauty in failure. So I'm really thinking about the city in in, uh, in, in those terms and and about how the city is actually uh, queer. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm curious what kinds of responses did you get when you ask people what do you think is natural i'm sure a lot of things but i mean i i'm and I, it's funny you ask me this question now because i'm actually in the process of listening to all the interviews and yeah. i had to stop for a while because when the revolution started i was not there and then i went yeah. back and yeah and i've been going back and forth so i've been dealing with also like how like my mm -hmm. positionality as someone from travelers but, but also outside of it so this has been a long process same like alchemy was also such a long process <laughs> sure. uh, not always very pleasant but uh mm -hmm. the people actually it's interesting a lot of people think when you first ask them the, the question of the natural uh, for humans they really think in these ideal ways of of uh of integrity of uh, of honesty mm -hmm. And they think that what's unnatural is actually the way politicians are, uh, are uh, you know, oppressive, how, you know, poverty is not unnatural. And so they don't go naturally or <laughs> 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 uh, spontaneously yeah. to that place of uh, unnatural sex. Uh, I mean, in their mind, unnatural. Right. Facts. Yeah, but then yeah, and that, uh, when when you when you start uh, making it clear, like uh, when I start like really asking about love between two men and, and two women, then they suddenly uh, the discourse changes. Mm. But for me, it was important to really provoke that conversation in public spaces, yeah. and I, I was inspired by uh, you know one of my heroes. Uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini, who also has a big presence in Here I Am, Here You Are, an amazing mm -hmm. Italian queer director who also, like, very early on, uh, really taught us about, uh, I mean, he was so opposed in, I mean, he died in 75, but in the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s, he was very opposed to identity politics in relation to LGBT rights, and he really wanted to think in, in other capacious ways. So uh, so I think it was just like provoking those sort of questions and, and actually allowing for them to exist in, in the public sphere in a city like Tripoli, uh, that's considered to be very like the Islamist city, the conservative city mm -hmm. was really important to, to me. And it wasn't again. It wasn't uh, really to impose uh, like a Western notion, uh, but actually to provoke those questions. Um, and then I like uh, slowly. I mean, I've been going back for for. I mean, I've been filming for. I think since I started Ecumi, so yeah. seven or seven years maybe ago, I started filming in Troubles. Uh, so I, I've, I think the project has evolved and I, I, I ended up also meeting people who are like-minded um, and with whom I explore those questions of belonging to a place like Tripoli in, in many different uh, 
ways. And I, I just want to mention quickly because I mean, yeah, I was about to, yeah. to throw that Me in too. there too. I was too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my background uh, now on Zoom is uh, this image from this really amazing uh, space in Tripoli called Al Marad, or uh, translates translates into the exhibition space. And this was a project that was conceived in the 60s by this uh, mega famous uh, Brazilian architect, Oscar Niemeyer, who was a modernist. So, you know, all those ideas in the 60s of how architecture uh, can be futurist and how the future is, is bright and carries a lot of great things. I mean, now we're living in, in the Anthropocene, so yeah. not exactly that. <laughs> that uh, but anyway, this project, which took many years and was supposed to be to become talking about failures, it was supposed to become this a site for international exhibitions in Tripoli uh, and, you know, never saw the light because the war started. So the project was interrupted and these structures are are somehow unfinished. So they ruins, uh, but they point a point towards that, uh, you know, dreamt future. And I really wanted to queer that space. So actually, when I went back to Lebanon, the last thing I, I shot there was uh, my friend, uh, who is this uh, a transgender woman from Tripoli, who lives in Beirut. But I asked her, uh, would you accept to be filmed uh, in Marad? Uh, and she said, this is actually my favorite place in Trablos, so Aww. yes. And, and so I filmed her there. And in, in my head, I imagined the film ending uh, with that space where, yeah. you know, sort of the future where this transgender, beautiful, transgender, powerful woman, yeah. uh, you know, reclaims that space in the city. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see this film. I know, I... me too. I am too. Um, do you have anything else that you want to share with the listeners? Like, Anything you're currently working on, or that you had you did work on that we didn't uh, mention today? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I feel yeah. I feel like being in that space of uh, academia, you're you're always working on yeah. things, but uh, but there's a uh, the, I mean, there's so much expectation in academia, and I'm I'm always struggling with that as well. Uh, but things take so much time. Yeah. So I'm 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 currently working uh, on a chapter for an edited volume about queer Swana art practices. Again, I don't know yes. if the editors have announced that, so I'm not going to say much about it. But it's okay. it's part of my dissertation, okay. and I'm really thinking about queer camp, uh, Arab queer camp, and Arab queer aesthetics. But again, in a very political uh in a very political way because mm -hmm. i think my project at, at its heart is to really think queer art production along uh political lines because i really believe in uh our political role and not merely our um not not only salvation as as individuals so that's one thing I'm working on. And uh, then I'm also very excited because I, I just received this email a few uh, days ago mm -hmm. that uh, one uh, 
video essay that I made, short video essay called Queer Utopia from Stonewall to Tripoli is going to be published in the next issue of Kohal or Kahar. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, which is a, a great platform. Uh, so yeah, that uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be published at the end of November. I have another essay film called The Ruins or Alatlal uh, that's uh, currently on uh, crypto fiction, uh, an amazing uh, space for experimental film uh, created by Manya Akbari, who's this uh, really awesome uh, uh, Iranian. Uh, currently, uh, or Iranian-British, I think, living in London, a filmmaker who really liked the film. And, and uh, I'm, I'm really super proud, like, happy that it, it found a place on, on, on the website on crypto fiction. And yeah. it's again, it's a project that I worked on during the pandemic when I wasn't mm -hmm. filming. And again, I, I wanted to experiment with forms. So I was where it started with, uh, I found this uh, image in uh, a travel book, a French travel book to the, uh, the, 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 the Levant region from the 1500s. And the traveler, Whoa. yeah, it was, it was just the image was so powerful. So the traveler had been to Trablos and described it, uh, you know, like 600 years ago as this oh my God. paradise. Uh, yeah. And described specifically the hammams or the bathhouses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the image said, I mean, and in the text, he hints at this, uh, you know, sort of uh, power dynamics between mm. uh, the, the, the attendants who work at the, I mean, they, he calls them in the, in the text, so-called slaves. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, and he says, beware of the so-called slaves wow. because they will do a hundred and uh, or a thousand caresses to to get a tip or some wine. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I, I thought like, this really awakened so many. I mean, I felt like, oh my God. The, I mean, these sort of power dynamics and, you know, sex tourism and so yeah. many things linked to the hammam. Uh, specifically, I mean, I know the hammam has also been, uh, the hammam where... Uh, when women go there has been a sort of uh you know orientalist fa fantasy mm -hmm. but in the film I, I really think about uh the hammam as a space for men because that's what the, the text talks about um, yeah. and so it's uh, the film is is this collage of uh of imageries uh, and it's, it's like a poem that is awakened by by that, uh, by, by, by that image. Gosh, that just like, that just indicates how similar we are now to humans. Like from, nothing has changed. Nothing's from 600 Especially years like the, ago. The white, the white tourists yeah. going to a hammam and then like thinking yeah. it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, we have examples of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <we> <laughs> That is so, that is wild. Like the fact that, and the fact that that text is still in existence. That's really interesting. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, everyone check that out. We'll, we'll put everything on our website, all the links to, um, to, yeah, to that and everything else we talked about. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so wild. 
1500s. Um, yeah, Nadia and I have like current examples of people who have like similar takeaways, you know, like white, the white gaze of like, oh, this is what the hamam experience was like. So it's the kind white of gaze of the white gaze. <laughs> of the uh. white... Oh, good one. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted, I mean, I think in that film, uh, and again, I feel like sometimes like the work may be like misunderstood, but I really wanted to think about um how uh, sexuality uh especially in our region and you know mm -hmm. and there have been there have been some violent raids um on hamams in cairo and in, in beirut uh, in the yeah. past year we really have to think uh about that beyond morality and there are uh scholars who wrote like wonderful books about that i mean paula mar is one of them um but there are others. Uh, and so really in that uh, film, uh, essay film, I, I, wanted, I wanted to think poetically about how this uh, continued uh, violence um, towards our region, uh, those uh, like continued invasions, continued support for autocratic regimes are really linked uh, mm. to the question of, of sexuality and um, in complex ways, and, and the, the essay film doesn't pretend to offer any questions. It's, it's just that for me, it was a space to think about those interconnected threads. You know, as you mentioned, um, tourism with its uh, sexual component, um, uh, but also those histories of colonialism and, and histories of, of sex and how they're really interconnected and, and continue to mm -hmm. be so in, in, you know, our neoliberal world. Um, yeah. So again, I think my, I think my, like, to put it very simply, I think my project for now is to move beyond uh, identity politics and really think in queerness in, in other ways, along with other artists and other filmmakers but really complicate um, this um, idea of that. And especially, it's, it's very much linked to how, when I worked on Here I Am, Here, Here You Are, I really felt that expectation to come up with uh, a typical gay story from the Middle East. Like, tell us a gay story from the Middle East. And I actually wanted to think about Europe and about borders and about really complicate those questions uh, and, and really think in a, in a sophisticated way about, uh, about couples and about gay couples. And mm. so I think that's, uh, they, like, I think in the West uh, or Western funders are, are still trying to, uh, you know, really put us in those boxes. Yeah. And, and I'm, what I'm attempting to do with a lot of failures as well is to like really rebel against those uh, yeah. mm -hmm. spaces of like where we're being confined, basically. Love that. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you so much for all of this. Um, yeah. We'll put links to everything, but where can people follow you to catch up with what you're doing? Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I have an Instagram page I started. I'm so bad with social <laughs> Sure. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, you know, because you, you have to create, but you also have to put yourself out there. And, uh, yeah. 
it's just always complicated. So, I mean, this is, I hope it, it doesn't sound like shameful, uh, uh, you know, self-promotion, uh, but um, mm. uh, yeah, I think my like budding Instagram page is where I'm mostly trying to uh, connect or link to my work. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And we'll link to that too. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is good to, again, good to catch up after three years. Um, and yeah, you all can listen to uh, Riot speak a little bit on our Mark for Redaction episode, by the way, if you want a, a little Take like through the archives throwback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a fun episode, too. As usual, you can follow us at the Queer Arabs on Insta, Facebook, and Twitter, mm -hmm. and we're thequeerarabs.com. And if you want to email us, we are thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Speaking of shameless plugs and self-promotion. <laughs> well done. Thank, thank you so much, Alia and Nadia, for this amazing, amazing yeah. space. I'm, I'm very honored. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an honor to have you on for a full episode. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks all for listening. Mm -hmm.